Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. Father, thank you that this good soil is going to take your good word and that from that good soil and good word, we're going to see a harvest of righteousness. Thank you, Jesus, that you're going to cultivate the hardest of hearts in this room. Somebody's heart doesn't want to receive the word of God. Today, the greatest plow is the Holy Spirit. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, come in, plow the heart, do a work, take the hardness of heart, reshape it, refine it, let your word go deep inside of it, and they will see a garden that flourishes. So, Father, thank you that this is good soil. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today I want to talk about intercession. I want to talk about intercession. If you missed, real quick, if you missed the word last week, uh, uh, Sam McVeigh came and spoke on Pentecost, and he talked about the Holy Spirit's leadership. And just how to walk with the Holy Spirit and his leadership and his guidance in your life. And I just want to make sure that you go back and take a, if you didn't miss that, take a listen to that. He had some tremendous truth that I believe is so applicable for how we walk in Christ today. And so I want to run kind of in that same vein today a little bit. As kingdom people, we are in partnership with Jesus, right? So as kingdom people in the kingdom of God, we're in partnership with the king. Amen? Amen. And we're in partnership with him through the Holy Spirit's power in our life. And so as the Holy Spirit is in us and we're in partnership with Jesus, one of our primary purposes as people of God, one of our primary purposes is to be a people of intercession is to be a people that are intercessors of the Lord. And I'll talk a little bit about that today, what that means. Our desire, we're so passionate about this. Our desire is that intercession is a marker of this house. Not something that we add into this house, but a marker of this house. And not only this house, but we pray that from this house, so intercession will mark your houses as well. This is our desire. We believe so much in intercession that we want to know that that marks us. And I believe, and I truly believe this, that the single greatest determining factor of whether or not a church will see great things in the days ahead for the Lord will be whether or not they are a church of intercession. Because there are a lot of things that mark church. We've talked about these things. You can be known as the friendly church down the street. You can be known as the church that goes over time all the time. Come on, amen. You can be known as the church that's building a new thing out here, a new building out there. And these things we've heard. But all of those things are simply activities that really don't matter in the end if we don't have the intercession birthing from this house. And I'm going to talk about why that's so important here in just a moment today. It's not a secret that we like to pray a lot around here. Amen? Amen. It's not a secret that we like. I still laugh to this day. I still laugh a little bit. People have asked. We've been three years now doing our corporate prayer times where we split up into our groups for three years now. People always ask, so do you think that's going to have an ending sometime soon? Like, and I'm I'm not joking. Like, you think that's going to end sometime soon? And I'm like, uh, when Jesus comes, right? And... There's a reason. See, we, we've put prayer in a category of programs. And a program always ends. Prayer is power and it does not end. And there's the difference. If we want a program, programs come, programs end. Programs have an extent, extended time. Programs have a short time. But there's always an end in sight with programs. Prayer is not a program. Prayer is the power of God. That's why we'll never end prayer. Amen? We'll always do it. It'll always be our rhythm. I also think it's because we've put prayer in categories such as this. And we've talked about this in here before. We always make prayer almost like a punishment. Like the last person in the room. Oh, Ronnie's got to pray. He's the last one. 
Like it's some kind of punishment, right? Or when somebody looks up, you're like, oh, Heather made eye contact. Heather, you have to pray. Like, oh, darn it, right? It's like we've made prayer like a punishment. We do the same thing with our kids. You go to your room and you pray about that. Like, you know what I'm saying? And so because we've made prayer that way, we, we realize that sometimes prayer is just simply not looked at as the first thing we run to. But yet all of us recognize, and it's an agreed response in our life, that when something difficult comes, people pray. Isn't that interesting? Even people that don't believe in Christ, even people that aren't like what they would call churchgoers, when everything is coming down and it just feels like chaos, it's so interesting that people that don't believe in God go, well, maybe we should pray about it, right? I just find that so interesting. We, we need intercessors today. Listen, church, our country needs intercessors today. Our children and our grandchildren need intercessors today. The kingdom of God needs intercessors today. And so we're gonna talk about intercession today. I wanna give you just kind of some quick parts to intercession, some examples, and a little bit of the practicality to it. Um, God chose, from the beginning of creation, God chose to work on earth through humans. It's a beautiful design. Through all of our messed upness, wonkiness, God chose to work his, his, his things on planet Earth through his creation of human beings, not independent of them. It's why when you read through scripture, God is always using men and women to accomplish his will on planet Earth. In all of my jacked upness, is that good news? Yes. That God wants to use you. Now listen, this is important. We are in partnership with him and we're in partnership with him through his prayer, through prayer with him, intercession to him, where he downloads his will that he wants accomplished. In the Old Testament, our relationship with God changed in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, our relationship with God was a visitational relationship. God would come down and then at times he would lift off. He would come down to accomplish his work and then he would lift off. And so what you would find is people that are always praying to find the Lord. People that are praying to seek after the Lord. It was a visitational relationship. But in the new covenant, in the New Testament, that relationship changed. Now God lives inside of me. It's no longer a visitational relationship. It's a habitational relationship. He dwells in me. He lives in me. He came to abide in me. He came to make his home in me. Amen? And so this habitational relationship then even changes a little bit of how we pray. In the Old Testament, it was all about praying to God. In the New Testament, we pray to God, but we also partner with God. And this is what intercession is. Intercession is partnering with God. There's prayer that we pray to God. Intercession is that God dwells in here in this habitation called my soul and my spirit. And in that place, this habitation is where I get to partner with God. Amen? Now, if we defined intercession, what we'd find is intercessory prayer is asking God to do something on behalf of another person or asking God to do something in, on behalf of a situation. What we find intercession is, is you're intervening or the word that scripture uses, you're mediating between two parties. That's the core of what intercession is. And so in 2 Chronicles 7.14, this is the popular one, right, that we read all the time. There's some times where God does some things or allows some things to happen and we don't understand Understand it, but there's something that he's doing and trying to stir within us. And so in 2 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 7, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, I'll start with verse 13. The Lord says these words When I shut up the heavens, whoo, 
When I shut up the heavens so there's no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if, somebody say if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then, everybody say then. then, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, heal their land. Now my eyes will be opened and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. There's three things the Lord tells us here. There's always a when, there's always an if, and there's always a then. There's a when. When chaos comes, when difficulty's there, when persecution is around us, when things get intense, the Lord says when that happens, there's a response that's supposed to come from the people of God. When that happens, there's this. If, if my people what? Pray. If my people seek my face and pray and humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, there's a response of God's people in chaos to intercede to his heart. And he says these words, if my people do these things, then, then I will hear from heaven and will restore their land. There's a partnership between the divine and human beings, amen, that stirs his heart to act for his will. And so what we see is intercessory prayer is the primary tool of the kingdom of God to enact the will of God on planet earth. God's design is to advance his kingdom through this divine human interaction, this divine human partnership, which blows my mind because I screw up a lot of things, amen? But he does not. This isn't because God is unwilling to move. Like a lot of times we're like, oh, I'm trying to get God to move. He's unwilling to move. I want you to hear this. God is never unwilling to move. He loves you. He loves you. It's not about God's unwillingness because he loves you. This is about God seeing what our willingness is. Are we willing are we willing to partner with him? This is about how surrendered my life is to his will. And that's a difficult one because surrendering my life to his will is difficult, amen? God is never the unwilling one. We are the unwilling ones at times. I'm gonna show you that today. And let me tell you something why this is so profound. Satan knows that the kingdom that he dwells in, his little kingdom, he knows that intercession is the way that we break his kingdom. And this is why all of hell wages war against intercession in church life. This is why all of hell doesn't want our little corporate prayer gatherings. Why all of hell doesn't want the furnaces of the fire of prayer meetings to ignite again because Satan knows that the furnaces of prayer meetings of intercession break through his stinking kingdom. Amen? It's a big deal. He knows it. He wars against it. So you go into church, and what do you find lacking the most in church life? You got a worship team. You got somebody to preach the word. Where's the prayer? Where's the prayer? So I want to break down different kinds of intercession, and we're going to jump into some things. Let me break down some different kinds of intercession so you know what we're talking about when we talk about intercession. Number one, and we're going to bring them up here on the screen. There's a kind of intercession we call travailing. Everybody say travail. Travailing intercession. This is that groan from deep within. Oh God, we need you to move. God, we need a breakthrough in life. God, we need our marriage to be restored. We need our family to be restored. There's a travailing intercession where we're praying until breakthrough happens. 
It's the kind of breakthrough where there's a groaning in the spirit and we're believing the will of God and we're believing the will of God will come to fruition. It's, an, it's a travailing intercession. It's what Simeon had. Simeon in scripture, he was a man who at around 20 years old, young man, 20, 25 years old. Simeon gets this word, spirit of the Lord comes upon him and says, you will not taste death until you see the Messiah. So here's the deal. Simeon's travailing. Here's the crazy part. It was about 60 years till this happened. Can you imagine travailing for 60 darn years? And all of a sudden, Simeon in his old age sees baby Jesus, little boy Jesus come to the temple and he just ignites because the Lord was true to his promise. Would we give up after 60 years? That's travailing. That's the travailing prayer, intercession. Then you've got warfare intercession. Warfare intercession. This is a coming against the spiritual powers of darkness. This is a battering the gates of hell. This is a knowing our authority in Christ Jesus. It's enforcing Christ's victory over Satan. That's what this warfare intercession is. It's implementing, I love this, this word I read, it's implementing upon the earth heaven's decisions concerning the affairs of men. Luke 10, 19 says these words. I give authority over all the power of the enemy. Jesus says, I give authority over what? All the power of the enemy. I'm gonna go to war with heaven's authority. And then Matthew 6, 19 says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth, we bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, we loose in heaven. So it's the kind of warfare where we go to war against the enemy's schemes with the authority of heaven, amen? And then you've got this compassion intercession, that's what I'm gonna call it. You've got this compassion intercession where you identify with the needs of others that are walking through difficult situations. You know somebody right now who's walking through a time of loneliness, a time of rejection, a time of condemnation, a time of grief or bitterness or fear or pain, a time of depression, a time of anxiety, and God begins to birth something in your heart, and there's a deep compassion that starts stirring in you, and all of a sudden you're going, I'm going to go to war for them, I'm going to intercede for them. And that compassion begins to fill you. And as that compassion begins to fill you, all of a sudden, and this is the hard part of compassion and intercession, sometimes the Lord will let you see what it feels like to walk in their shoes for a moment. There's a book by Reese Howells called The Intercessor. Everybody should get this book. I've promoted it before. Everybody should read this book. It's called The Intercessor by Reese Howells. And when the Lord began to download this heart of intercession, he says, the Lord began to have me walk in the shoes of those that I prayed for. And as I walked in the shoes, something in me began to groan differently for them. And so this compassion intercession isn't always the popular one. Because many times what you want to do is you want to do the one-off prayer. Like, yeah, 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 let's pray for you real quick. Uh, Lord, heal them, and then you get to walk away. But compassion intercession says, no, 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 that person is going to be written down in my journal and pray for them every day until I see their breakthrough. Yes, God. And then the last one that you have is this idea of injustice. Injustice intercession. It's praying against evil that mankind suffers. Abused people, corrupt leadership, evil systems, all the things that are trying to still kill and destroy our life. The injustices that we see out there. And so we're waging war against the injustice that we see in our world. Amen? Now all four of these, I'm sure there's a ton more that you could get, but all four of these, one person fulfilled all intercession for these things. Can you guys guess who it is? No, I'm sorry, who? Jesus. It's always Jesus. That's the easy answer in church. Come on. 
I remember growing up in church, I'd fall asleep during Sunday school. They'd ask me a question, I'd wake up, I'd say Jesus, and they'd go, well, he's not wrong, right? So he's always Jesus. Jesus is the one who fulfilled all of this intercession. Why? Because scripture says that he's the great intercessor. Jesus is the great intercessor. Romans 8, 34 says, Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is what? What's he doing? He's interceding. He's not just setting up there twiddling his thumbs. Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. It's beautiful, isn't it? And then on that other side, you got the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is also interceding for us. Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for. There are times we don't know what to pray for. You're sitting around your group, like, I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to pray for. And it says, but the Spirit himself, what's he do? He intercedes for us with groans and words that, can't, that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts, who searches our hearts? God. God searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit. And all of a sudden, he's searching what the Spirit is doing inside of us. Oh, that's good. Amen? Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. Here's the key. In accordance to who? God's will. It's not Aaron's will, not Aaron's opinion, not your will, not your opinion, in accordance to God's will. This is why Sam, when he was talking last week, said, we need to get with the Lord and listen to his will. Amen? Amen. So let me just show you how Jesus set the stage as the great intercessor, as the one who stands in the gap for us. I'm going to show you this out of Isaiah 59. In Isaiah 59, you see this massive judgment, injustice, injustice happening in the, in the place of Israel. I mean, it's just running rampant. Justice is turned away backward. Righteousness is far off. People are doing all sorts of crazy things. Yes, truth is lacking. Who, and it's, it's just like evil's running rampant. It says, the Lord saw it. Listen to this. The Lord saw it and it displeased him. There was no justice. Now look at verse 16. And he saw that there was no no what man and wondered that there is no intercessor so the Lord's looking at the injustice and remember he uses man to enact his will in his creation not crazy so he's looking and he's going there's no intercessor there's no one that's praying there's no one that's attacking the injustice there's no one that's praying for those that are getting their butts kicked by life and then he says these words Therefore, <laughs> therefore his own arm brought him victory. Listen to this. And his own righteousness sustained him. So justice is lacking and all the people are going, God, is your arm too short to save? God, is your arm too short to come in here and change things? And God's going, oh, no, no, it's not about my arm, it's about yours. It's not about what I can't do. It's about your relationship with me that's causing some issues. And so I've looked around trying to find the intercessor, can't find him. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son Jesus. Now, who did Jesus come as? Everybody say a man. Why? Because God doesn't work apart from using man. Amen? So here's Jesus now in Isaiah 59, and God goes, I couldn't find an intercessor. I'm going to send a man. I'm going to send myself, wrap myself in flesh. I'm going to become the great intercessor for you. I'm going to teach you what intercession looks like. Ooh. He says, I'm going to extend my own arm out. That's Jesus. Jesus is going to bring victory, and Jesus is going to bring righteousness. Church, this is good news. 
God says, I gotta find a man. I gotta find an intercessor. He goes, I can't find one. Okay, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna send Jesus as a man, fully God, fully man. There is a man in heaven making intercession for you and I right now. Listen to this. Isaiah is gonna tie this lack of injustice with our relationship. Where is my intercessors? And here's something that he says so key in verse 16 again. The Lord saw it. He says the Lord saw what was going on. I want you to hear, there's so many people that go, I just don't think the Lord sees what's going on. I don't think he understands the devastation in my heart. I don't think the Lord understands the trials that I'm in. I don't think the Lord understands my marriage issues. I don't think the Lord understands my depression. I don't think the Lord understands the fear that I'm walking in. Listen, church, the Lord sees it. He sees it and he loves you and he's going deeply in his heart. I care. I'm engaged with humanity. Where's my intercessors? Can't find one? Okay, Jesus, go. It's time. Wrap yourself in flesh. It's time. Why? Because intercessors always emerge from God because God is our salvation. God actually rises up an intercessor with his heart who's willing to lay down his will. Remember what Jesus said in the garden? Not my will, but your will be done. Jesus wanted to lay down his life. He's willing to lay down his will. He's willing to lay down all of his glory so that he can make intercession for you and I by standing in the gap when there was separation between God and us. Jesus made intercession for us standing in the gap because God will always find a man to make intercession. This is what John saw in Revelation Chapter 5, John the Revelator is caught up. He's getting this vision of revelation. And if you remember in Revelation chapter 5, there's this moment where there's a cry out, who's worthy to open the scroll? Do you remember that? Who's worthy to open the scroll? And so this word goes out, and this word goes out, who can open the scroll? And all of a sudden it kind of makes its round, and it comes back. There's no one worthy to open the scroll. John the Revelator finds himself crying tears coming us crying out here's why he knew that now injustice and wickedness would rule humanity so john catches that he's like oh there's no one worthy to open the scroll and then whatever this looks like in revelation this elder comes up to him in this revelation says john john's tapping him on the shoulder there's one and he says john john there is a man from the tribe of Judah, who is at the root of David, he has prevailed and he is worthy to open the scrolls. Amen. Amen. There's a man from the tribe of Judah who is in the lineage of David, who's the Messiah, and he is worthy to open the scrolls. And John's like, ah! What we find in John, in Isaiah 59, where is my intercessors? Where is my intercessors? I can't find my intercessors, so I'm gonna send my great intercessor to show you. I was listening to this uh, 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 word, and, and I, I love this, um, this quote that I read. It says, intercession is God's statement that I'm going to get into your dirty to get you into my glory. Has Jesus gotten anybody's dirty lately to bring you into his glory? I'm gonna get into your dirty to get you into my glory. So Jesus ascends, right? Crucified, resurrected, 40 days. He ascends to heaven. And as he's ascending to heaven, he's publicly shaming the enemy in every place. 
It says he publicly shames the enemy in every place. The principalities, the rulers, the things that try to come against us. Jesus shames them all. He goes into the holy of holies where the sacrifice is made in the courts of the Lord. And he says, in the holy of holies, on the mercy seat, here's my blood. They've been atoned for. I've made intercession. I stood in the gap. Now man and God can come together. It's beautiful. He's the great intercessor who goes to the Holy of Holies, puts his blood on the mercy seat, and now he stood in the gap and we have access to the Father. Church, I'm telling you, right after that, the Father was, come here, son, come here. Sit down at my right hand. You've been working. Throw your feet up while I make your enemies a footstool before you. Because you need to take some moment, just rest here for a minute. I'm going to make your enemies a footstool before you. How am I going to do that? I poured out my spirit upon mankind. Now they're waging war in the earth through intercession. You put your feet up because there's going to be a trumpet call one day. And then Jesus, you're going to get roused. Eastern sky is going to crack open. You're going to come back for them. But right now, oh, my people are making intercession. My people are making intercession. This is why in Isaiah 53 talks about he was a man rejected, a man of sorrows, a man acquainted with grief. By his stripes, we've been healed. Look at verse 12, though. He has poured out his soul unto death, and he, has number, he was numbered with the transgressors. Perfect in every way. Numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made what? What did he make? Intercession for our transgressions. Listen, there's a reason you haven't left your faith. There's a reason that when things get hard, you're not abandoning the Lord. There's a reason you haven't run off the deep end. There's a reason that you haven't chased other things. There's a reason because there's a man in heaven making intercession for you. And then somewhere along the line, somebody caught that revelation. It was a grandma or a grandpa or an aunt or an uncle or somebody else in the, in the, in the, in the past generation caught that revelation and they started growing in intercession and they began to pray for you and you're here today because somebody interceded for you you didn't just by circumstance just happen to walk in somebody's been praying for you this is what intercession is Jesus the ultimate intercessor and so because of that we have a ministry of what intercession intercession for reconciliation 2 Corinthians 5 says that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Well, how in the world do you reconcile a world that doesn't know the Lord, doesn't want the Lord, has rejected the Lord? How do you reconcile a generation that doesn't, you're not even going to be in contact with? How do you reconcile somebody that you'll never meet in some other country? You do it through, everybody say intercession. You start to pray hard. You say, God, I'm going to stand in the gap. Look at this word from Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. Underline this in your Bible. Again, here's the theme over and over and over and over. I looked for a man. And when he says a man, he looked for a woman too. Esther was an intercessor. I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But what? What did he say? No, come on. What did he say? I found none. I looked for a man who would stand in the gap, but I found none. We are an extension of Jesus' ministry on earth. John 20, 21, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father is sending me, so I am sending you. If you've been saved through the ministry of Christ's intercession, which FYI, if you're saved, it was through his intercession standing in the gap. If you've been saved through his intercession, then our responsibility is that we will now stand in intercession for others. This is why in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he says these words, 
But he who is joined to the Lord, how many guys are joined to the Lord? Put your hand up if you're joined to the Lord. Okay. But he who is joined to the Lord has become one spirit with him. His spirit is joined in us and we are joined in him and we have one desire and the Holy Spirit that is in you is making intercession. It's our command, it's our mandate and that's why Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.1, first of all, I urge you with prayers, petitions and intercessions, first of all, be made on behalf of all men's kings and authorities. Before all things, first of all means before all things, intercession has to take place. I want, to, I want you to know this word. The Holy Spirit and Jesus are always in agreement. Amen? They, they never war. They never go, I, don't, I just don't think I want to eat there. Jesus is like, I don't want to eat there, right? They never do that. They're in union with one another. They just are. They're in union with one another. They agree upon the will of the Father and they go after it. Where's my, I'm going to borrow you two and I'm going to borrow you two. I want to show you what this looks like. Come here. Who wants to be God? I'm going to put you as God. Okay. You, Jace is my Holy Spirit. Come here. Because, I don't know, this shirt, I feel like it's like Holy Spirit flowing or whatever. You're going to be, you're going to be Jesus. Okay? And you know who you're going to be? You're Kenan. All right. Okay? So, you've got the Father. You've got, you've got Jesus. You've got Kenan. You've got Holy Spirit. Now, remember, Kenan is an intercessor. He's going to stand in the gap. And then I'm Aaron. I'm hopeless. I don't know the Lord. I feel broken in life. All hell's waged against me. And I don't even know what that means because I don't know Jesus. I have no concept of the spiritual battle. All I know is I feel like I'm in a deep, dark place and I can't find my way out. I've tried it through addiction. I've tried it through sexual immorality. I've tried to find my way out. Nothing is helping. But one day I met this man named Kenan. And he saw me. We were walking in a park together. And he comes over to me. And he just says, hey, man, you look like you're down a little bit. And I said, man, I, I am down. And he just says, man, I, can you tell me what's going on? I don't know, man. I just feel hopeless. And so Keenan at that time, he's just like, okay, man, I'll, I'll, I'll say a prayer for you. And that's all he said to me. He said, I'll say a prayer to you. So here I am, hopeless Aaron. Then Keenan goes home. And then all of a sudden he's like, Lord, I don't even know what to pray. And then Holy Spirit, what's Holy Spirit do? He says, when we don't know what to pray, what does Holy Spirit do? He starts to groan with things that words can't understand. So Kenan, so Kenan starts leaning into Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit starts to groan. And he says, Kenan, start praying for Aaron. He's hopeless and he's broken. Start groaning. Groaning. So he's groaning. There you go. Now Kenan hears clearly in his spirit, I need to pray for that hopeless man, Aaron, that I met at the park. He's broken. He's broken. Now, Kenan knows the great intercessor. Who's the great intercessor? Jesus. Jesus has the ear of the Father. He's at his right hand. So Kenan goes, I know what to pray now. Jesus, I want you to save and redeem the man Aaron who was broken that I ran into. Tell him to do that. Tell him to do that. I'm broken. I'm broken. Do it. No, you're... Oh, you're interceding for me. Jesus, the Holy Spirit's giving you words. Save the man, Aaron. Save him. Okay? So now all of a sudden, Jesus goes, oh man, I hear my son's intercession through what the Spirit of God has given him. Now Jesus goes, Father, lean down. Father, lean down. And he says, will you move? Will you move in Aaron's heart and redeem him? Now the father's roused. Get roused. Ah! The father's roused because his will is that none should perish but all should have life. 
His will is that you should have abundant life, John 10, 10. So the father goes, ah, he's roused. He says, Jesus, every time you pray for something, I'm going to give you what you pray for. That's what scripture says. My father gives me what I pray for. So the father says, you can have him. Tell him you can have him. You can have him. And then Jesus goes, guess what, Kenan? You can have him. Tell him you can have him. You can have him. And then Kenan says, I can't do it in my own strength. No one comes to the Father but him who's been drawn. Holy Spirit, go get him. Now we're linked together. Now hang on. Now we're linked together. Now Kenan, who's interceded for my heart that I would come to know the Lord, stood in the gap for me. He stood in the gap for me when I didn't know how to get to the Lord. And now the Holy Spirit is speaking to my heart. Now the Holy Spirit is speaking to my heart and I'm becoming an intercessor. Ronnie, get up here. And all of a sudden we join with other intercessors. And all of a sudden we got this group of intercessors. And we're like, Lord, save them all. And Jesus goes, I want them all. And he goes, Father, give me all of them. Tell them, tell them. Give me all of them. And the Lord's like, no! You can have them all. You can have them all. Right? Whatever. Thank you. Give him a hand. Would you? So this is, I'll close out with this. I looked for someone, but I found no one. Will that someone be you? In those days when a wall had a hole in it, this is why Ezekiel said, I looked for somebody to fill the gap. When there was a gap in the wall, the enemy could get in. And so when there was a gap in the wall, everybody would come to the hole and defend it. They would run to the hole and they would defend it. It was their only place the enemy could get in. I see the gap. There is a gap in our nation right now. There is a gap in mankind right now. There is a gap in humanity's heart right now. Somebody's got to stand in the gap. Somebody's got to run and defend it. Let me give you a last thing. In the book of Exodus, this is going to take some time. It doesn't just come on a one-off. In the book of Exodus, there was the whole golden calf fiasco. Do you know what I'm talking about? Exodus 32, Moses goes up to talk to the Lord. He comes back down. The people have made a golden calf. They're worshiping the golden calf. God's anger is burning, burning right now because of this. And Moses jumps into intercession mode. Lord, stop. Who tells God to stop? Lord, stop. Remember your faithful hand. Remember your faithfulness from one generation to the next. Look what the Lord tells him in verse 10, Exodus 32. Leave me alone. The Lord tells Moses to leave him alone. Leave me alone so my anger may burn against them. Why? Because the Lord knows that an intercessor is going to get to his heart. He knows it. Oh, Moses, I'm angry. Don't, I know what you're going to say to me. Verse 11, Moses says, I sought the the favor of the Lord, his God, and the Lord said to me, Moses says to the Lord, remember your covenant with Abraham and Jacob. Remember your covenant. Don't forsake your covenant. Yeah, we screwed up. Don't forsake your covenant. And verse 14, the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. Let me just say this real quickly. As long as Moses does not withdraw from intercession, there is always a mercy opportunity. Listen, 
The goal of an intercessor is to remain in prayer, to bother the Lord. Anybody got a two-year-old going, mom, 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 mom. And you're like, you can't think of anything else because all you feel is this tug. Anybody have a kid like that? Mom, 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 mom. This is the goal of an intercessor. The Lord says, leave me alone. Moses says, not today. He refused. Instead, he says, Lord, remember your faithfulness. Listen, I read this quote too many times. Intercessors misinterpret the Lord's initial pushback erroneously that God has exhausted his mercy. And it's simply not true. God has new mercies, what? Every day. Moses' response to the pushback was to prevail upon God's love. He reminds the Lord of his purpose. He repeats the Lord's promise, and he does not stop praying for Israel. It was doing something in Moses' heart. The Lord's pushing back. I'm going to ask more. I'm coming. I know what your will is. I'm going to come. I'm going to come. I'm going to come. I'm going to come. And because Moses did not stop pushing back, he was practicing the Isaiah 62, 7. On your walls, Jerusalem, I've set watchmen all day and night. They shall never be silent. They shall never be silent. They shall take no rest, nor will they give the Lord rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes his praise on the earth. <sighs> Amen. Amen. So here's what I, I just, we're going to close out with this. Okay. We're gonna, here's our corporate prayer time. Yes, we're late. Okay. But who cares? Uh, so here's how we're closing out. We're going to close out praying in our groups. Now here's the deal. I felt like when I was writing this, the Lord says, now pray. I have this word like June the 4th, today. What if we started today and we went till the end of summer and we became a house of intercession? And in that rhythm for the next two, three months, we develop a rhythm of intercession that now becomes a lifestyle of intercession. And this spills into our homes, not even here. Like we're interceding at home with one another as well. And the father's going, I'm roused. So here's what I want to do. I want to get in your groups of three, four, five, ten, doesn't matter. I want you to pray. I want you to pray for this. Pray for a summer of intercession to hit our hearts. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I want you to intercede for intercessors. Does that make sense? I want you to intercede. I want you to intercede right now. God, raise up intercessors. Start with me. Raise up intercessors. Start with me. Raise them up. Get in your groups. Let's go. Let's go. Five minutes, three minutes. I don't know. Here we go.
what he says. Who's going to stand in the gap for me? I sought for a man. I sought for a woman. Who's it going to be? One minute, press in, one minute left. Go. so much for tuning in for today's word we hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day-to-day and until then we will see you next sunday have a great week